to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Being a Christian is not about living meticulously according to a list of rules. It's about loving the one who loved us, which compels us to live to want to please him above all else. You see, the Christian life is based on the foundation of love. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Galatians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, in a message titled, Crucified with Christ. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Being a religious person, in a sense, to having this radical revolutionary thing happen where my life just changed. Prior to that, I was religious on Sunday because that was the church day. But I struggled all through the week with the parties and, you know, all go, keep going back into that stuff. And I, I could never make my way out of it. But you see, this is what Christianity is. It's, it's God coming and living in us. Paul said to the Colossians in chapter 1, verse 27, he said, it, it's Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. And that's what Paul is saying here. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. It's not about me living up to the law. No, what's happened is I'm dead to all of that. And now Christ is living in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. So this is the Christian life. The life that I now live in the flesh, that's where we live. Of course, we come to Jesus and we're still here. We're still in our natural bodies. We've been born again. We have a new nature, but we still have that old nature that there's a conflict there. Paul will address that later in the epistle. But how do we live now? He says, we live by faith in the Son of God. That's how we live. The, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Now, again, I just want to keep reminding you of the context. The Galatians knew this. They accepted it. They understood it. They rejoiced in it. It was wonderful. The false teachers come along and said, oh, no, no, that's not right. That's not good. Here, you got to do this. You need these laws. There's Moses, and there's all of these different uh, rituals and things, and, you know, there's circumcision and all this, and you've got to have this. And, and the Galatians foolishly bought into it. Paul says, no, this is how you live the Christian life. I, the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. So what does that look like? Three things. Number one, I live by faith in what Christ has done. You see, that's what we do. We live by faith in what Christ has done. What did Christ do? Well, number one, Christ lived the perfect life, which I have not done. He lived the perfect life, he died because I didn't live the perfect life. So he died for me. And he rose from the dead and he sent his spirit who now has made me spiritually alive so I can live the way he wants me to live. So I live by faith in that. I live by faith in what Christ has done. And you see, faith is 
is the key in all of this. And faith means that you believe this. You personally believe this. You believe that Christ died for you. You believe that Christ paid the penalty for your sin. You believe that he lived the life you couldn't live and he died the death that you had to die. And as you believe that, then his spirit comes and lives in you. It's Christ in me. That's what he said. And so we live, first of all, by faith in what he's done. But secondly, we live by faith in what he is doing. Because this Christ that we believe in, this son of God, he's the living son of God and he's, he's doing things right now. And we live by faith in what he's doing. And again, you see the, the, the nature of this in comparison. What we're talking about here is a living relationship with a person. And the contrast here is between subjection to a system or a relationship with a person. These are the two things. And that's, that's, the, that's the difference between religion and the gospel. All religion is subjection to a system, some system, an impersonal system. The gospel is a loving relationship with a person. So they had a, uh, the Galatians had a loving relationship with a person, but they were trading that in for subjection to a religious system. That's why Paul says, you foolish Galatians, who, who deceived you? Who cast a spell on you that you would do something like this? That you would, like, like God said to the prophet Jeremiah to Israel, he said, you know, how is it that you have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and you've carved out for yourself cisterns that they're broken and they can't hold water? That's, that's the same idea. And so we live by faith in the Son of God, by faith in what he's presently doing. What is he doing? Well, he lives in me and he gives me power to live for him. You see, all of this is very supernatural. This is, you know, we're, we're not talking just like, you know, something that we can conjure up, something that we can work up as human beings, a system that we can say, okay, well, here it is. Just follow these five steps and everything will get better. We're talking about an encounter. We're talking about real power through the living Christ who's in us. You see, it, it's, I'm just trying to get this point. It's, it's not going to church. We come to church to be built up in our most holy faith and to be an encouragement and a blessing to others and all of those kinds of things. But, you know, the, the thinking for so many people is you go to church to win favor with God. That'll hopefully one day it'll all balance out and you'll end up being in heaven. But no, that's not it. God is doing something. Paul says we live by faith that he is, he lives in me and he gives me power. We live by faith in that he gives us understanding so that we can know his word and we can know his will. And so when you have a, a living faith in Jesus, when you come to that place of recognizing him as the living savior and you receive him into your life, you have a living faith. And, and this book, the Bible, suddenly this thing comes alive to you. Suddenly you find that this book is talking to you. This book is speaking to you. This book is penetrating to the depths of your heart. 
And it's renewing your mind and it's giving you insight and understanding to things that you never even knew before at all. The Spirit of God is at work in that way. And then God gives us wisdom to apply his word. You see, this is the, the Son of God. This is what he does. He shows us the application of his word in our lives. And then he supplies us with strength to obey his word. You know, I was talking to uh, a person recently, and they were came in to talk about some issues in their life, some family issues and so forth. And um, they, they, they were talking about how in the beginning of these, these issues, lawsuits and things like that, one of them was saying, you know, that at that point they were just, you know, they were going through the motions, going to church, you know, kind of, yeah, I'm a Christian, but no transformation, no change, no real difference in their life. They're just kind of trudging along, attending church. But then these circumstances arose, which kind of, you know, served to force them in a direction to really start to take this this thing of, of faith in Jesus more seriously. And then they just went on to say how their life is, is just completely transformed. So this, this trial that's been very, very unpleasant for them, there's, there's two sides to it. There's the unpleasant component, but then there's the other side where it was used by God to, to drive them to seek Jesus. And now there's this wonderful transformation, this wonderful fruit that's happening. Because that's what happens. Living by faith in the Son of God, he is doing things in our life. But then I want you to see thirdly, first of all, faith in what he's done. Secondly, faith in what he's doing. But thirdly, faith in who he is. See, Paul says, the life that I live in the flesh, I, I live by faith in the Son of God, in who he is. Who is the Son of God? Well, of course, we're talking about Jesus. But what does the Son of God mean? You know, some people mistakenly think that the Son of God means that, you know, he's kind of like God, but he's lower than God because he's God's Son. Because we, we sort of think of that just from our understanding. You know, we think a father greater than the Son. But in the biblical picture, the, the Son of God is really, it's a claim to equality with God. And you could even just change the words around and maybe it'll be even easier to comprehend it. If you refer to Jesus as God the Son, then it clears it all up because you recognize he is God. So Paul says he lives by faith in the Son of God, meaning he lives by, by faith in the one who created all things. The one who has all wisdom and might and power and, and all of those things. The one who came to dwell among us. That's who his faith is in. His faith is in God, the living God. We sang, uh, hail incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. That's God with us. So he says, I live by uh, the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God. His faith is in the living God. But then he says, the living God who loved me. And this great and awesome God, this living God, this creator of everything, this God who knows all things, and this God who has all power, and this God who is everywhere present, and this God who is so holy that no person could ever come into his presence without him making a way for that to happen without us being consumed. This is the one 
who loves us. You know, I was thinking about this because this is really an expression of God's grace. Because if you think about yourself, if you think about who you were and where you were perhaps and what you were doing, it doesn't really make any sense that God loved you. When I think about my my complete disregard for God, when I think about my total indifference to anything that had anything to do with him, when I think even about the, the occasions when I used his name in vain or when I mocked people who believed in him or, you know, those kinds of things, when I think about that, I would not have even imagined that at that time God was loving me. If I just looked at it purely from the way I see things, I would think that, well, God, no, God doesn't love me. He shouldn't love me. I'm a rebel against him. But the truth is, remember who's writing this, Paul. Paul, the guy who was dead set on destroying the Christian church. Paul, who was going from place to place, harassing and persecuting and arresting and prosecuting Christians. Paul says, the son of God loved me. Even though he knew where I was. Again, in the prophets, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, God talks about Israel and he says, he, he's reminding them of their, of their past. He had taken them and exalted them to a glorious position and they had walked away from that. But he's reminding them, you know, when I found you, you were like an aborted child that had been thrown to the side of the road. And they're wallowing in all of the the filth and the blood and everything else. And God says, and I came and I had compassion on you. And I took you and I washed you and cleansed you and clothed you and blessed you. And you know, that's exactly what it was like with all of us too. Because the son of God loved us. And he looked upon us with grace and mercy And then Paul says, he gave himself for me. See, this is who he's talking about. He lives by faith in the son of God who loved me. God loves you. How much does he love you? Well, he gave himself for us. He gave himself a sacrifice. That's how much he loves us. And as Jesus would remind us himself, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. And that's what he did. He laid down his life for us. He sacrificed for us. So all of this brings us to this point. And this is what Paul is saying. Being a Christian is not about living meticulously according to a list of rules. It's about loving the one who loved us which compels us to live to want to please him above all else. You see, the Christian life is based on the foundation of love. And there's no law, never has been any law that could command the devotion of anybody in any way compared to how love commands that devotion. You see, love is the greatest thing. That's why St. Augustine, when asked the question about, you know, sort of how do you live the Christian life or what do you do in living the Christian life, he summed it up like this. He said, this is it. Love God and do what you please. Wow, what? Love God and do what you please? 
Think about it. If you love God, what you please to do will be those things that please him, right? That's what love does. Love, love wants to please. You see, the problem is, it's always been this problem. It was the problem in Galatia. They, the people think that if you don't keep people under laws, they're gonna go wild, they're gonna go crazy, they're gonna go sin. God knows that laws don't prevent that. The whole history of Israel proves that. They had the law, never prevented them from sinning. And again, in Romans 6 and 7, Paul tells them that we are so twisted in our sinful nature, not only does the law not prevent us from sinning, it actually provokes us to sin. Because when my sinful nature sees a law, my sinful nature says, I'm gonna revolt against that. I'm gonna, that, that law incites rebellion in me. Or a law that tells me not to do something, my flesh can take it and go, oh, I'm not supposed to do that? Ooh, I wanna try that. That's how twisted we are by nature. When I was younger, I was uh, pretty much always a rebel. And, you know, I would, I would often do things just because I was told not to do them. So if I saw a no trespassing sign, you could be sure where I was gonna go. I was gonna go right over there and just cross that border that I wasn't supposed to cross. If I was told not to do something, well, you could pretty much be sure that that's what I was gonna do. That's human nature. So God knows <laughs> that the law, the law is law. The, 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 the laws, whatever they might be, the, these are not the thing that's going to bring us to where God wants us to be. No, love is the thing. And so Jesus comes and he loves us. And he shows us this love that is so deep, that is so amazing. And Paul would say in another place, he said, you see, it's the love of Christ that compels me. I do what I do. I live the way I live because of the love of Christ. He's not, at this point, he's not talking about his love for Christ. He's talking about Christ's love for him. When I realize how much Christ loves me, what else can I do except love him in return? What else can I do than, than seek to please him? And you see, this is, the new, this is the, the new covenant. This is the motivating factor. And when this is the thing that's, that's underlying everything, when this is the thing that is motivating us, it changes the whole dynamic. It changes the whole atmosphere. You know, you've heard this before. It's, you know, people say this in, in the current sort of cultural conversation. People have written books and made these kinds of claims. You know, religion ruins everything. You know, they're more right than you might think. Sometimes we hear that and we get offended. Wait, what do they mean religion? No, religion is good. No, you know what? Religion isn't good generally because you know what religion is? It's sinful men trying to live according to rules that they can't live up to and they either recognize that they fall short so they live in constant 
guilt and condemnation and so forth about it, or they think that they have attained it and then they live self-righteously and then they oppress everybody else who doesn't live up to the standard that they want them to live up to. They're right, religion does ruin stuff. But here's the key. We're not talking about religion here. We're talking about a relationship. Remember the contrast, subjection to a system or relationship with a person, a loving relationship with a person. Isaac Watts, the great hymn writer, he put it this way, and I want to close with this. In that great hymn, when I survey the wondrous cross, on which the prince of glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. And then there's a line there where he says this, were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Love God and do as you please. When I realize this love of God that's so amazing, this love of God that is, it's just, it's, it's almost incomprehensible this love that God has for me. When I realize this, and as I experience this, this love that is so amazing, so divine, what is my response? It demands my soul. It demands my life. It demands my all. How can I resist this kind of love? That's the relationship that God has made with us through Christ. That's the relationship that the Galatians early on enjoyed. That's the relationship that they moved away from for subjection to a system. And this is the relationship Paul is calling them back to by reminding them that this is what Christianity really is. I have been crucified with Christ. The law, keep it out of the picture, has nothing to do with this. No, Christ is living in me. And the life that I'm living now, it's by active faith, trusting in the Son of God who has done for me, who is doing for me, and ultimately who loves me. And let that love of Jesus fill your heart. And let that love of Jesus for you be the motivating factor. Because, you know, it's true, right? When you love somebody, what do you want to do? You want to please them. You want to please them. You want to do the thing that will bless them. And that's how God wants it to be between us and him. Now, let's join Pastor Brian and Cheryl in the studio as they share about this month's resource. So, Brian, I'm holding in my hands Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. This is a book you've been trying to get me to read, and I'm going to. Yes. But tell me why I should read it again. You've got to read this book. This book is tremendous. Rebecca is brilliant, and she kind of takes on all of the current 
questions and opposing views that come up against those who hold the Christian faith. And the the title of the book, you know, she's confronting Christianity. People are saying, well, Christians believe this and Christians did that. And she's just taking 12 of the current hardest questions that Christians are facing. Questions like, doesn't religion cause violence? Or how can you take the Bible literally? Doesn't Christianity denigrate women? Isn't Christianity homophobic? And she does a superb job in addressing these questions. And I think anybody today who's seriously thinking about what's going on in the culture and engaged in the culture, out in the workplace or wherever, this is a book you want to read because this is going to tremendously help you to have a good response when people bring these questions up because many are confronting Christianity and this book will help you to know how to answer those who are confronting Christianity. Confronting Christianity, Rebecca McLaughlin. Again, this month's resource is a book titled Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. You can order the book Confronting Christianity by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it, then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin to prepare you to answer some of culture's most difficult questions regarding Christianity. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Galatians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.